It's been officially one week since Light Hotspots went live. And at this point, we've sort of ironed out most of the early bugs that, that have bit the miners that have bit the validators and we're, we're getting to a somewhat steady state. I don't want to say too much about it. I want to let the people working on it talk about where we are, where we're going. Um, I'd love if we could just start with a, a quick recap of you know what this all means, why why we're here, why we're doing this light hotspots thing and what goal that we're, we are working towards. Sure. Let's let's start there. Thank you for the introduction, Armin. Um, and hey, everyone, uh, I know it's it's been rough for a lot of us um, for the past week, um, but really the the light hotspot transition is super important to the network because the way it existed in the old days where the hotspot had to run the entire blockchain, it was talking over peer-to-peer -peer network, it was just not going to scale anymore. And we were really going to see way worse performance long-term, right? Our goal is not just to get it to 800 thousand and stop. Our goal is to get this to the world's biggest LoRaWAN network, decentralized LoRaWAN network, going from, you know, 800,000 to millions out there. And the path to get there was not what we built two plus years ago. Um, and it has been incredibly um, awesome to see the community take part in all of this growth. And we want to encourage more to do this um, today, tomorrow, and 10 years from now. And so in order for this growth to continue this way, we felt it was really important to get these hotspots that are running Raspberry Pis um, to stop doing that much work. We needed it to do less work so that it can do more of what it was meant to do, which is proving that there was coverage for IoT devices. So little things like sensors and trackers, temperature monitors, to really be able to send data packets very cheaply over this network. And so that's kind of the reason why we needed to do this. Um, and then I can talk about kind of uh, the state of where we're at and go over um, a little bit of our next steps and maybe start answering some questions. Um, so firstly, I the entire core team and the moderators, mentors, the foundation our feeling we we did not want this to kind of be this way where only about a quarter or half the network is is mining HNT right now. We feel you, we hear you, we empathize with your um disappointment in, in this launch. Um and we are working our hardest to get us through. And today we have found one issue that we believe we have a fix. Um, it is running on testnet right now, and soon we'll be fixing this on mainnet. And I'll, and I'll type this out in an announcement so you guys can get back to it and read it later. Um, and the other issue that we think has to do with why um, hotspots just kind of die and not do anything um, has to do with an underlying process that just kind of silently dies. Um, and this is why if you read some of the community channels, you see some folks say, um, I rebooted and it started working, right? That we have seen anecdotally that it does work maybe 25% of the time. And so this rebooting action kind of kicks this dead process back up to life. And that's kind of what we're seeing. And so 
we have another uh, member of the core team looking into that and fixing it while we have another change that um, we're, we're testing right now uh, going at the same time. So that's kind of the state where we're at. Um, we are getting, we're seeing stability on the network right now in terms of uh, receipts coming back. So we, there is some sort of consistency now that we can kind of measure against as we get these new improvements out to the community and to hotspots. So I'll kind of stop there and then probably look at some questions and take questions from the audience. Yeah, I was just wondering if uh, Abai had anything to add. And then if not, I'll, I'll also add a couple things before we move on. Uh, I am just here to support the team. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to answer questions in the channel as uh, as Kepo answers questions up here. And, and Mark um, is also here uh, to sort of support. Um, but yeah, uh, it, I guess, you know, the one thing that I would add is that this is obviously an all hands on deck sort of situation, you know, our, this is absolutely our highest priority work. Um, there is, you know, obviously there's, there's other work going on, um, in the community around, you know, around 5g proof of coverage, we're building mappers, we're doing a lot of other things as well, but obviously this is the sort of our number one priority and, you know, launches like this are, are, are tough because, you know, we have a. 800 plus thousand node hotspot node network, um, you know, almost a million to, you know, look, we're, we're talking about like, you know, the largest P2P network that's ever been created. And so changes, um, you know, aren't just like kind of like a light switch, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, we are, uh, we've been in replicating some of those, uh, sort of conditions are hard in a, in a test net. Um, that's also an open net. Um, so a lot of the changes that we're doing in testnet, um, are really to allow us to understand the problem and, 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 um, be, uh, very tactical in the kinds of changes that we're making. Um, so yeah, so I really want to thank the community, uh, for, for all the work, uh, that they're doing. And I really want to sort of appreciate it to say again, that we really appreciate the patience. And this is a small change, a small time period, right. In the, in the grand scheme of things, we're building a network that will last years. Uh, many, many years and not, you know, not like two or three weeks. So that's, that's uh, something I just want to remind everyone. Yeah. And I got to add on how hard this must be to sort of debug things in real time and fight fires in a, a decentralized context. I have a lot of empathy for the team going through this right now because I've gone through similar things myself. Um, when I was deploying, uh, when I was developing a mobile game, I remember I had one release where I, I had a bunch of major changes and, you know, every time you submit an update, it has to go through the app store review process. So I submitted a change. There was a major bug. I had to submit another change. And then my, all my users had to wait a few days for the game to work again. And then I broke something again. I'd submit another change. And this repeated six times over the course of two weeks. And I felt like I was going absolutely insane. Um, so the speed at which you guys are moving here is impressive. And of course, you have a whole team. But I'll have a, I have a lot of empathy for the work that you're putting in. And also for the people who are on the other end of this who are like, you know, why are my minor rewards not here? Why am I only challenging once every X number of days? Um, we're all going to make it, you know, <laughs> that's the, that's sort of the saying these days. So, um, patience is key for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask just to sort of bridge the gap from it, from start to end, if we could talk a little bit about what the start state is that we started at what the current state is and what the end state is. So I think we talked a little bit about the start state to the current state. Uh, so right now, hotspots are 
still syncing with the blockchain as sort of a backup in case we need to revert the light hotspots update. But where do we go from here? What is the final state where we can say that this light hotspots transition has completed? And what is that going to look like from a software side? And then what's it going to look like in terms of um, minor performance and earnings? Yeah, I'll take that. Um, so the final state is um, the hotspots to stop syncing the chain, as you mentioned, and also for the hotspots to route their device packets through the new Rust gateway. So um, right now it's still going through the Erlang miner, um, which is kind of what the old full hotspot kind of ran in its olden days. Um, it's still on right now, um, left there so that we can revert just in case. Um, but the end state really is to have a full gateway RS implementation on these hotspots. And you now I'll say it again, hotspot owners don't need to do anything. It'll be a software update from your manufacturer. And when we have that ready to go, we'll ship out a build, they'll pick it up and they'll send it down. And the end state really is a hotspot will only will consume much less bandwidth because chain sync is off. So this will be fantastic for those that have off-the-grid setups. Um, everything will be routed through Gateway RS, which is the Rust implementation of the Gateway Miner as it exists today. Validators will do be will will be uh, creating challenges like they do today, and hotspots will earn rewards for beaconing, witnessing, and data packet transfer. Right. So we'll be at the final stage where. Hotspots are entirely decoupled from basically the blockchain chain syncing and are, are delegating 100% of activity through, to validators. Power usage will go down. Heat hopefully will go down as well as a result of less CPU cycles needed to do things like syncing the chain and following right. the chain. And less read cycles to your SD card. So you hopefully you never replace it again. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big one. For all the people out there who've replaced SD cards once, maybe even twice. I mean, this is going to take the read pressure on the SD cards from like way too much for a normal SD card in any circumstance to like basically nothing. The problem will be solved, entirely solved. And I think the next question to that is, you know, the timing of everything. Um, so the once we're able to get past sort of this receipt issue um letting hotspots be able to participate in poc again of course is our number one priority um and once we can get out of this and we will for sure um the team is incredibly smart um with the support of the community we will get through this um is to turn off chain syncing uh get the routing packets through gateway rs and then update the uh gateway rs to handle poc because the miner is still doing that right now so those are the three things that we have left to do. Um, oh, and also to get rid of the Erling miner, but that'll that'll happen um, with the last piece. So timing-wise, probably still looking at and to to the full complete implementation, probably three to four weeks. But we we are halfway light right now, I guess if you want to call it that. We're we're medium feather. Medium light is a feather. Medium, medium uh, featherweight, yeah. Medium featherweight, that's right. So I, I'd like to like ask a couple of questions about the technical implications of, of some of this stuff, because I don't know how much it's been discussed, but there are some little sort of side effects of this transition that I think are interesting. So validators currently, 
sync with every other participant in the network. They sync with full nodes, which are most likely people running like ETLs to do data analysis and whatnot. And they also sync with the hotspots. And because of this, validators have a lot of inbound and outbound traffic um, talking to these other network participants. And so now in this new light hotspot architecture that that is being deployed, everything no longer is transferred over the P2P network. All this data, like data packets, whether it's POC, anything, all that stuff is no longer transmitted over the P2P network, but rather directly to validators over gRPC. So what does this mean for validators load? Does this mean that, you know, that the, the moment that hotspots are taken off the chain, that validators will have a lot less cross chatter because they don't have to talk to that entire network of, of hotspots anymore and they can just sort of talk to one another? And do we expect any sort of reliability increase or is this just sort of like a nice to have for the validators? Mark, do you want to take that? If I'm not like a robot in my remote location, you guys hear me okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think the question is very valid. I think we'll see some, we'll see a load reduction on validators when hotspots stop, uh, stop when they stop having to like emit so many blocks to gossip blocks around to so many other hosts and having to like handle those connections, lib P2P connections. They'll just be gossiping amongst the set of whatever 3000 or so hotspots or validators that are out there. Um, so that I think will help reduce some of the load, certainly the, the network load. Um, but as as the validator operators have seen, like today, like the receipts v2, which is part of this validator challenges, are creating an increased load as far as block production goes. And that's one of the things that we're spending time on helping to optimize. So hope to, hope, hopefully one will help offset the other sum, but there is obviously with 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 uh, in order to get the BOC rewards, some more work has to be done, right? And this that, that work is uh, larger than we'd like it to be, but there's always going to be some, even if we optimize it better. Hope that, hope that helps. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great answer. And to just sort of summarize and sort of echo back what you said to, to make sure I got it right, there will be a load taken off the validators, but that load that's being taken off is not necessarily the load that's causing the current challenges, which from my understanding are that upping the POC rate is going to require some optimizations within the validator software code in order to make the receipt validation less expensive so that we can ratchet up that POC rate. Right now, I believe the POC rate is at 700, uh, is it per minute? Block. Per block, exactly. Blocks, not clocks. I always have to remind myself. Yeah, 700 yeah. per block. So roughly every minute uh, when things are going well. And we're seeing about, what is it, 200, 250, I would say, uh, POCs per block. So some of the work that's going in right now is to make sure that those receipts actually come back from uh, the hotspots. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So th that's step one. And then step two is basically optimizing the receipt validation so that the validators can handle a higher volume on their end overall. Right. And we're, we're doing that at the same time, because obviously as we fix connection issues between hotspots and both their notifying and challenging validators, um, the corresponding the corresponding validator improvements have to like be in line, right? Otherwise we're in danger of having to lower the POC rate again because validators can't deal with the increase in POC receipts, right? With 700 per block and only 250 receipts uh, or so, uh, if that certainly goes to like 400 receipts, then the increased load will cause more block production instability. So we'd have to either either get performance up or the performance improvements in or reduce the POC rate to like deal with deal with that discrepancy. 
And if we do have to do that, we would definitely communicate with the community to let them know exactly why um, and what the impact would be. Right. Yeah, and just to put this all in context for everyone else who's not constantly watching dashboard.helium.com, like I know all of us up here are, the current POC rate, even with the sort of lower uh, success rate of receipts received from hotspots, is pretty substantially close to what the rate was right before the light hotspots transition began. So we're kind of back where we are. We're back where we were. Right, indeed. And a lot of the and a lot of the complaints or a lot of the issues that people in the community are seeing are the fact that those are not necessarily evenly distributed because a percentage of hotspots is having issues with the validators that they're connecting to. And so they they end up in this what do they call a dead or zombie state. Right. It is it is the flatline state. And and we are kind of tugging on a thread. Um, on that, I did mention it earlier. It's, it's where one of the processes that's running in the hotspot just kind of silently dies and doesn't tell anyone. Um, and so it does, and that stops the hotspot from being able to kind of connect to their durable validator and, and tell them what it saw, like it saw a beacon or it saw, um, it witnessed something. And so this is kind of why, and, you know, not scientifically proven, but anecdotally, as I've seen in the community, if you reset, reboot the hotspot, 25% of the time, it will come back to life. And just seeing that evidence and what we think may be happening with that underlying process kind of paints a little bit of a clearer picture for us. So this is the rare moment where doing something actually has an effect potentially on your success. But of course, this is like a rare occasion. It's not going to be that way in the future that the hotspot should, once we're at full light hotspot transition complete, self-govern itself and, and not need any sort of poking or prodding. Of course, yes. And if your hotspot is perfectly fine, it's mining, don't touch it. Yeah, and so at the current rate of proof of coverage receipts, we're looking at maybe 40% of the network being challenged per day. And so as the, as these bugs are fixed, we're going to go up above 100% per day, as in not necessarily that every hotspot is 100% reliably challenged every day, but that there is more than one receipt per hotspot on the network. So like if there's 800,000 hotspots, there will be a million receipts per day or maybe 1.2 million. And that will mean on average, each hotspot is getting challenged more than once per day, which is which is what we want to see. And it's something we have not seen in a while due to the staggering speed of the growth of the network. Definitely had to Correct. throttle that down. Yeah, we had that problem before light hotspots as well. Right. So that's more of an optimization on the validator side of things. That's I'm sure all other things have taken away from that, that being the number one primary focus of, of everyone's time. Let's get some audience questions in here. Uh, we've got a bunch of hands raised, so I'm going to start inviting people up to the stage. Um, we've got Dennis and Randy B. Remember, if you want to speak, just raise your hand. There's a button that's called raise hand, and, and you'll be in the request queue. So we've got a lot of people queuing up here. So, you know, sooner rather than later, if you really want to ask a question. And just a reminder that this is being recorded. So if you don't want your voice recorded, that's totally fine. You can ask in the voice chat text channel. So welcome up to Dennis and Rennie B. I've just invited you both up to speak. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, happy to uh, hear all this information. And, and, and really, I mean, this is less of a question, more of, of just a... Uh, maybe I'll call it reinforcement from the community um, that... that 
you know, I, I'm aware and, and so many of us are aware of the absolutely massive amount of work that's gone into this. And, and what really, you know, stood out to me from this, from this conversation and from this overview is that, that, you know, this work really is about, you know, setting this project up and this network up for success. You know, we're thinking in terms of, of years and, and being able to scale up past, you know, 800,000 hotspots to, to millions, uh, and, you know, being able to take a moment out of, out of the, uh, uh, the work that's been going on to put it into context, to, to be able to convey it in a way that most of us, you know, hopefully understand and, and, and really reassure that, you know, these hiccups and, and the gaps and, and the struggles that some community members are really, you know, focusing on those, those, uh, uh, concerns have been heard and, and they've been really folded into the roadmap and, yeah, you know, this isn't a question. It's really just a, it's a, it's, it's a, a round of atta girls and atta boys and, uh, and a, a big hearty thanks for uh, all the hard work that's gone in and, and that's sure to come next. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me guys? Yep. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. First of all, uh, good evening, good morning, uh, uh, good afternoon. Um, my concern is, you know, be, being a hotspot owner, definitely. Uh, we, everyone, I've, I've heard the conversation, you know, all the development and everything. I've been following all the Discord messages and everything as well, you know. Um, but definitely, you know, everyone is, everyone believes in, in the network. That's why we, we are still here. Otherwise, people have already started. Uh, those who don't believe in it, they've already started selling the devices and running away from the project, you know. But we do believe in the project. That's why we are still here. But at the end of the day, you know, we all have invested something in a um in the project and we all are looking for some sort of outcome you know some sort of income from that you know uh, i know i may i may sound stupid you know but that's that's the fact because that's why everyone whoever is working on the project either if it's a manufacturer uh helium itself as a network or hotspot or many data owners we we're all looking for a passive income or whatever you call it in return but uh all being said uh the main issue that we are having at this point is from validators end well i don't think uh being hotspot owners we should pay the price don't you think like there should be some sort of uh everyone is ready to wait we all are waiting you know uh but don't you think uh at the same time when we're waiting hotspot owners should get minimum reward uh in shape of uh their like just to say just to appreciate their patience and their belief towards the project and keep providing the good coverage either if somebody has one hotspot or maybe 100 doesn't matter um yeah but that, that, that's the only concern i have you know to be honest thank you so much uh, i could start to answer that question i was uh, uh i think ultimately you were asking um, you know, should hotspot owners get some kind of compensation for, for something like this, which is like an outage or, or seemingly like a, a partial outage of the network? Um, you know, ultimately, uh, we've never done that before as a network. We are only, you know, not even three years into this network. And we kind of think of this network as a, as a much longer project. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to reiterate something that I said earlier, which is, you know, we we appreciate and understand and we appreciate the patience and we understand the frustration when you have, you know, a week or two or 
or whatever of, of you know of of uh, of like real you know downtime or what what appears to be downtime for a particular hotspot. Um, but you know, I think ultimately we as a core team want to take a longer view on this, um, and that's uh, that's sort of the way that we hope that other folks in the community also uh, would feel and and feel like they're building a network that lasts decades, not 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 weeks. Um, so that's, I think that's sort of the start of my answer there. Um, happy to get eight, like sort of ideas from other folks on the team or from the mods or, or others. Harun, do you feel like your question was answered? Um, uh, because the thing is, again, the problem is not from you guys. You guys are still working hard. Well, I can see from your end that when you guys are asking validators to open Port eighty eighty. You guys been asking them like you know from, you know how, how long you know from the from the day one, but just because of um, I don't want to say uh, laziness, but because of their ignorance, because of their mistake, we as in hotspot owners, we are paying the price, which we shouldn't be. Do you get it? I know they have invested more money because they have you know more tokens in the wallet and stuff. You know, but at the end of the day, we all are here for something. Nobody's working on this project for free. Nobody has invested on this project because they want uh, something better for for the for the humankind. You know, no, nobody's working on this project for that reason. Everyone is working for for money. That that's a fact. Uh, but yeah, that, that's fine. If, if if nothing can happen, what can I say? Um, it was just a concern being a hotspot owner. Um, and yeah, we, we just. So I do want yeah. to make clear on the on the point uh, that you're. Have to wait. Uh, so uh, we'll just wait. Thank you. I do want to make clear that the the current issue right now is not to do with validators. The majority of validators have updated and have done so in a timely manner. So I think, you know, we should kind of not point fingers at one party or another and just sort of appreciate that we're all in this together. The fixes that we are looking at right now will have to, will be in a hotspot release. So it's not even a, uh, I'm using bunny ears, not a validator problem. So I just want to make clear that, you know, we should not point fingers. We should not say one group is taking advantage of another group. Um, we're all in this together. Alrighty, thanks for the question and for our team members for uh, answering that. Dennis, go ahead with your question and then I'm gonna look in the voice chat text and uh, maybe take a couple questions there. I just wanna say hi from sunny Croatia and uh, well, basically you answered all my questions during this chat. And as a hotspot owner, um, I don't know, I'm happy with with everything that's happening. I know there is no rewards last few days, but um, patience is the key. So hopefully after everything is done, uh, all your hard work is appreciated. We'll go forward from this and enjoy, <laughs> right? Uh, was there a question or? By the way, I said well, wrong. No, no, I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to thank you for all your hard work, guys. So, just thanks for everything and keep on what you're doing. So, thank you so much. All right, great. Um, just to be clear, I said the wrong channel name. Excuse me on that. It, I said voice chat text. It's AMA questions. That is where you should be asking questions. Um. I see some questions here. Should we reset or reboot if experiencing issues? That has been addressed. Um, from Chris Bruce, we have for Q&A, when $99 miners, aka when will Rust Miner be fully ready for production? ETA? So we'll need to get 
uh, Rust gateway POC working um, and tested. And then it's up to each individual manufacturers to take that, run their own testing, and uh, start their own lines. $99 is not promise. It's not something the Helium network can control, nor the core team can control. It is up to each manufacturer to kind of price their hardware based on the economics that makes sense to them. And then the next question is, is there some kind of a course that could teach us some basic programming for testing so we can help the network? There are a lot of programmers that could help us improve. Oh, um, I don't know. What's a, learn you some, uh, learn some Erlang, I think. What's that book called? <laughs> there's, there's, there's one, there's learning some Erlang. I mean, I think the other thing that's potentially useful is, you know, for folks to actually use the network. Right. Um, you know, the, the pr proof of coverage ultimately is, you know, the, the bootstrap incentive for creating network coverage, but using the network is really what takes, um, you know, provides real kind of value for the network. And so, you know, have, build a sensor, use your, use your hotspot, you know, have like, so one thing that I have, um, in my house, um, not to talk to myself too much is like, I'm teaching my kids how to, how to plant tomatoes and, and they have little sensors and they have a way to see like, Hey, like dad, like we need to water the plants. Right. And little screen. So that's something that I worked on personally to, to, to use the network that we have. Um, so, you know, if the network is working and the data is transferring, we know this network is useful, right? Because it, even looks like a small sensor like mine, um, is, is just like one of many, and that's what this network is for. Yep. Definitely can attest to that. Um, God, this is just a fire hose of questions. Maybe some people should start jumping in here and answering it in text if they have, uh, can do it at the same time. Um, what is, why are the current POC rewards so low? And yet there are a lot of miners offline. Where do those generated HNT go? The HNT goes to the hotspots that are, uh, updated to the latest version have synced past the block height where we activated light hotspots, uh, have connected to a validator. Um, that it can send receipts to. They're the ones earning HNT rewards. And I think I checked on the stat today. It was about 450,000 hotspots earning rewards in the last 24 hours. So um, the the pie size is still the same. Uh, it's just that these 450,000 hotspots are getting a larger piece of the pie. Those are where the rewards go to the hotspot owners. Excellent. Going to get some more voice questions here. I'm inviting up Mirage V and Ray Nuke. Ray Nuke? Renuke, I don't know. Welcome up. Yes, sir. Just wanted to see, um, as a result of the P2P issues that we had prior to moving to light hotspots, there were a number of miners that were, you know, unable to communicate back to the challengers, effectively resulting in failed participation in those challenges. Uh, since we moved to light hotspots, I'm now expecting that we're going to have much better connectivity to those challengers and would effectively mean that more miners are now participating in those challenges. Is there a plan to increase the number of uh, receipts currently at 14 per challenge that's chosen for the rewards in order to have more miners participating in the challenge process? So I think you kind of touched on a couple of things. So I'm going to touch on the first thing. Um, where in the past, the P2P connection issues um, cause a lot of hotspots to kind of not earn any rewards because they were not a, they were either behind relays or unopened ports or whatever it is. Um, Armin actually had put together a really great dashboard to look at how many hotspots have kind of benefited um, from the switch to light hotspot and have been able to challenge and participate in POC. 
And that number is 47,000. So these hotspots have come back from the a full hotspot coma. Um, to answer your second question, when are we going to increase the witnesses per challenge? I think what we want to do first um, before we kind of look at that is to get some sort of stability on the number of receipts sent back um, per challenges um, in every block. And I think the the 14 witnesses per challenge is is there so that we don't create so we keep the block times consistent because as more witnesses come back in on a challenge, it is more computational work. Um, and we want to make sure that there's just enough so that we can confirm that the hotspot is where it says it is and keep the network up and healthy so that we can continue transmitting packets, which is what this network is used for. Also consider consider in the grand scheme of things, like what does increasing the number of witnesses for a particular challenge do uh, uh, purposefully? for the network right if if 14 people saw a saw a beacon how does it help that 20 or 30 or 40 saw them um it, it helps some and so there's obviously a, a balance to, to be made there um uh and, and some argument for increasing it but I, I i don't i don't know and and i'm saying this carefully right i'm, I'm not making promises one or the other i don't know that increasing it to like 100 would actually do anything substantial for the network beyond increasing you know, block validation times tremendously. So I can certainly see where, um, you know, increasing the block times we don't want to do. We want to try to keep that. But one of the things that it would do for the network is for those hotspots that are seeing these flat lines, as you hear them called, where basically they go for long amounts of time without, you know, any uh, rewards. This would at least let them see some of those rewards, even though they may, it may be the same amount of total reward. It's just split yeah. among more um, miners, it would at least show them that there is some activity. Cause right now that's the problem. We no, don't, I think, least... I, Go ahead. I think it's a, I think that's, you're describing two, two slightly different things. I think that the, for a dead, a, the current like dead hotspot isn't able to submit witness receipts either. Like it's, ha it's having trouble communicating to either the durable or the challenging validator. And that's why it's, it's perceived to be dead. Agree. But I, I think, but when you have hotspots that are operating correctly and you're seeing, you know, I mean, I, if you look at what's coming across the radio versus what's coming, what's actually being reward, what you're being rewarded for, those are very different numbers. Sure. Uh, the point is, the point is, is that, is that the, the hotspot that is going to get rewarded is the hotspot that can communicate its, re, its witness, right, to, to its witness report to the challenging validator. And if it can't do that, like these dead hotspots can, it doesn't matter that you increase the number of witnesses to a thousand because that hotspot still can't communicate to its durable validator if it's dead. So take the dead ones out. What does that mean for all the ones that do work? They would get they would get more rewards for essentially adding no additional value to the to the network. Yeah, I think I think there's sort of two parts of this, and yeah, removing the dead ones are um, are definitely important when we are sort of and sort of and that's sort of what we're actively working on right now from a client perspective. As far as increasing the number of witnesses per proof of coverage challenge, you know, we it's it's a uh, it is useful from a you know kind of like a telemetry perspective, right? Like knowing that there is some on-chain proof that some witness was received by a challenger and it wasn't censored and, and you know, well, all that. The downside of increasing the number of witnesses is sort of validation, right? So today validation happens at the challenger when the transaction is um, is put together and submitted to the, to the consensus group. It happens in the consensus group when um, there's a uh, well, when it's included into a block and then it happens again at rewards time um, to make sure that the challenge should be rewarded. 
Um, and you know, the, the way to really hopefully improve that and sorry about those notifications. I wish turn this off. Um, the, the way to, uh, sort of improve that, um, would potentially be considering other ways to gather that data. Right. And, and one thing that we've certainly talked about in the past is to do that off chain. Um, but that would be a, a sort of a change to the network and the way the network works. Um, and, and that's, you know, something worth considering. Um, and we actually are considering that strongly for 5G POC, since there's a lot of other things that need to be oracled back to the network. Um, and, you know, applying that same methodology for lower end POC might be an interesting path forward. And, you know, but it's, uh, it, it's work to be done and work to be sort of designed. Um, but I think the other thing to think about, like from a telemetry perspective or like diagnostic perspective, um, is, um, you know, we used to have this feature called discovery mode. It had some issues. Um, that, that we had to, we, and that's why we have to turn it off. Um, and, and we, you know, should, and working with manufacturers to bring that back is, is something that we, we've thought about. Um, and that's something that we should prioritize. Well, I hope that answers some of the bits of, uh, your question, Raj. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Great. Uh, Ray, you're up. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, I'm a pretty hands-on guy. And uh, I would actually really like to see uh, what kind of devices uh, my hotspots are uh, servicing. I mean, uh, like uh, sensor types or uh, etc. Uh, will that be a feature at uh, any time in the future? I can take that. Um, so a quick answer is no. Only because uh, the device users are sending uh, encrypted packets. So this is sort of safer for all, all participants on the network, right? Where it cannot be intercepted and the wrong data can't be injected um, to kind of fool the, the recipient on the other end. So there's really no way for you to tell what type of uh, sensors are sending packets through your hotspots. And there is no future that we think this would be possible. <laughs> Thank you. Alrighty, great. Let's do uh, let's do two more voice questions, and then I will go back to text. A reminder: some of our Nova Labs folks up here have uh, maybe eight minutes left, uh, so we'll see where where we will go from there. But I want to get in. Please, the, the next two people try to keep your questions brief. No multiple questions, so we can get in some voice questions and some text questions. Well, while our Nova team members are still around. Thank you. And I'm inviting Mijels, Majels, and Daweths up. Hi. Um, so I I did have two questions, but I'll I'll just point out my my major question is I would like to know if the Helium or the Nova team has any incentive or any idea on what they want to do with the unused compute power on the full hotspots. Like, are they interested in doing a Helium VPN or any other type of uh cryptocurrency or decentralized type of thing. And the second question just to ask was about the validators being centralized. Do they feel that they're being centralized because it takes a lot of capital to be a validator? Like, yeah, so, uh, I'll save the validator question for some of the other channels, um, maybe token economics or, or, or the validator channel. Um, but as far as the compute that's available, I mean, certainly I've thought about, you know, what we could run on it, you know, having a VPN be really interesting, not great for off the grid miners and not great for, um, uh, for, but really good for folks that are, you know, maybe running this in their home and they have really good stable back, you know, backhaul. 
Um, we've certainly talked to other teams about this. Um, and, you know, I think the HIP 51 framework really could be interesting as a way for other projects to, uh, to work with, um, hotspot manufacturers to install their software. You know, ultimately the, uh, helium miner is a container, um, that runs on, you know, and it's, and, and all the, uh, hotspots, uh, are running a Linux. And so, you know, if you can build a container that can be deployed, um, and you can work with a manufacturer to deploy another kind of project on there, given the, the new capacity that's available, like, you know, there's a lot of Raspberry Pi threes and fours out there. Um, that could be really interesting. And, and if you know of any projects like that, you know, send them our way. Happy to talk to them. Thank you. All righty. Let's get to some text questions there. <laughs> it's just an absolute fire hose of, of text questions here. Um, let me just try to see if I can find one that's juicy here. For the miners that are offline, for example, for over six months, would it be possible to remove them from the network until they turn back on? Uh, no. Uh, the blockchain is immutable. Right. So they can't be removed, but they're not really, they're not hurting anything. They're just, they're Correct. there, they're offline, yeah. and they're not affecting reward scale or transmit they're scale. Not considered, they're, not, they're not considered for challenges, right? And they are not considered for rewards as part of that. So, so if you're, all you're talking about is like, should they not be displayed on the map? Uh, sure. I believe that may already be the case. If not, it can be. Let's see. The 1353 update on the 13th, I'm not sure what that's referring to, mentioned hotspots being able to pick quote unquote better validators. Where do we stand on this and how does it work? Well, I answered that in the channel too, but basically we already do a, uh, uh, we already do a, we now do a heartbeat check to the, to the, uh, uh durable validator that the light hotspot is connected to. And if it fails n number of times, it disconnects and goes, goes and finds a new validator. All right. Let's see. Where, when can we expect the first set of light hotspots to be approved for sale? I think we kind of answered that with Chris's question, uh, but we need to get uh, Gateway RSPOC working um, and pushed out into a release for manufacturers to take. And then it's up to them when they want to uh, uh, get these hotspots for sale. And remember, that is not Nova Labs that has oversight over that. Is That is the MCC, formerly known as the MOC, the Helium Foundation's Manufacturer Compliance Committee. Question, why can't we be connected to multiple validators at the same time? I mean, you could. Um, it doesn't really help because, because you're still going to be, you've, one, you would add more load to the validators. Um, and, and two, like the underlying, you're, you're sort of skirting around the underlying issue. It may, may work as a workaround. You'd have to disambiguate the two since one validator can be further ahead than the other. So then you receive two challenges at different times. It gets it, uh, the disambiguating the multiple connections gets really difficult. And while it may be a workaround, I would rather fix the underlying issue that causes issues with the durable validator and the client and minor communication to begin with. All right, let's see. We got two minutes here. I'm going to invite up, uh, couple more people let's get mexi and stefan up here just to finish off some questions for the period that we know the nova team uh, will be here we're going to continue the ama uh, nova team members may pop in and out after uh like one minute or two minutes from now but i'm going to continue this as long as i can because i think we're getting a lot of good questions in here we're getting a lot of good discussion so anyway uh mexi welcome to the stage First and foremost, I wanted to say thank you. You know, thank you for keeping us updated through through this update. I really appreciate that you guys are taking the time to to post the updates on Discord. Um, 
I know there's a lot of other projects that go in the dark and uh, you guys have been keeping us updated. So I appreciate that immensely. Um, I don't know if this is the place to ask my question. All, all I wanted to know is, is there a plan in place to get more companies to use the network? I think we should defer that question and just focus on light hotspots, but the answer is just short answer is yes. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. Not really light hotspot related. Trying to, yeah, trying to get it. That was my fault. Thank you though. I appreciate that. Yep. No worries. Uh, Matt, I'm going to invite you up as well. Two Mads actually. going to invite you both up, see if we can get some, a last minute question in here. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Um, I'm here in the UK and I've recently been, um, attached to the Helium network for about two months now, you know, going through all the different rigmaroles and setting up the antenna and the uh, miner and things like that. Um, but recently I've been looking into the uh, hexes around my local area and I've noticed um, a miner pop up in my hex and it's lowered down my transmit scale down to 0 0.83. And I know people out there have uh, a worse case scenario than I do, but I, I'm noticing that he's not receiving any witnesses, he's not broadcasting or anything like that, but he's scaled down my transmit scale. Um, over time, would that particular miner be removed from my hex if he's not actually transmitting or anything like that? So if it's a dead hotspot, it will no longer affect your transmit scale, and dead means offline. Um, that does not necessarily um, reference the hotspots that are experiencing flat night lining right now. That's related to um, the issue that we're trying to fix. And also the transmit scale does not affect your earnings in the exact way that you think it does. Um, it has to do with the earnings of the hotspots that witness you and their earnings get scaled down. So let's keep that in mind as well. Okay, thank you. And also as well, I've noticed in the US, I've uh, found that, you know, quite a few people as well with their miners are able to uh, receive a lot more witnesses than I am in the UK. Is is there some level of scaling out where validators will start um, and then out, um, challenges out to, to other areas inside the UK for it to speed up a bit faster than it did do, well, it is doing right now? We're, we're not favoring one region over another. It's merely just chance. What's what you're seeing? It's just chance. Okay. Thank you for your, thank you. And all the help you've been doing recently. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for your question. Uh, other mad, ask quickly. <laughs> Team members may have to drop, but see if you can get your question in. Yeah. Hello. Um, I just wanted to ask. I'm basically, I just received my miners one day before the light um, update. And uh, since that day, both of my miners haven't been having any activity. What is the suggestion for people that are in the same uh, situation like me? I mean, I'm fully. Uh, synced and online, but they have no activity at all now for probably seven, eight days. Yeah, so I think I addressed this a couple of times and I'll, I'll address it in an announcement. Um, but what you're seeing is something that we know is happening to about uh, like a good half of the network. Um, and so there, this is untested, unverifiable, but if you reboot your hotspot 25% of the time, it may come back to life. So that's my only recommendation for now that you can actually do until our uh, bug fix is out. Okay, but if I understood uh, correctly, after when like the light hotspot is uh, working correctly, let's say, it, it won't matter anymore. I mean, if you're, the, um, how do you call it? If you need to rethink and all that, that wouldn't matter matter anymore if I'm correct. Correct, yes. Yeah. That won't, okay. that won't matter and you won't, you won't have to manually re reboot uh, like we're suggesting now. Okay, thank you very much. 
All right. Thank you for the excellent final voice question for the moment that was very directly related to light hotspots, which I appreciate. Uh, Okay, so this is going to be a bit of a transition now. So uh, Nova team members, you know, all very busy, have things to do. I really want to thank, I know Hashcode already had to leave. So thank you um, to Mad Ninja and Cokes. Thank you so much for for being here and answering the community's questions directly. I'm sure it's much appreciated. Uh, What we're going to enter now is sort of more of a moderator and community mentor led AMA discussion. Uh, Nova team members may pop in and out as they are available. Uh, So I've gotten word that, you know, some of them may be popping back in at certain points. I'm going to try to keep this going as long as I feel that it's productive and that people are enjoying it and we're we're getting some good questions. And I'd like to invite any moderator or community mentor. I'm sure we can answer not all the questions in the same level of detail, but I think we all know quite a bit about light hotspots and this transition. I know I certainly have been glued to my screen this entire time. So let's continue on with that in mind. Uh, I, if, if the mods and mentors aren't here, I'll just try to answer as many questions as I can myself. And um, great, we got Waveform up here now. Excellent. And also, I'd like to... Excellent, excellent. All right, this is, this is looking great. We got Digirati, Fizzy, awesome. Devo, welcome, everybody. You all just AP. Wow, we got the whole crew. Excellent. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm inviting up Ballstag and Alan I.O. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, we saw some good discussion, participating in some discussion in the POC channel. Um, and hearing the developers talk, it sounds like the focus for the gRPC failures is on the hotspot side. H- has anyone been able to look to see if there's an even distribution of those gRPC failures across all of the validators. I, I know that um, the somebody was able to show that challenge rewards across the validators were evenly distributed, um, but it sure looks like that the beacons um, at the at the hotspots are not evenly distributed, and was wondering if there was any correlation between those hotspots and their uh, connected validators. I think since we don't have anyone up here who's in the weeds right now from the Nova team, I don't even know if we can answer that. If anyone on this stage has dug into that yourself, please speak, <laughs> speak now. Yeah, I was ho- I was hoping to find a. a- to generate a query in the Dewey ETL, but I I just don't think the data exists because uh, the heartbeat uh, connections are not captured on the blockchain. So, but if somebody if somebody tried looking into that and found something, I'd be interested. I think to, I think I may have seen. I don't know if it was you or someone else asking about the ETL and certain things aren't captured. It's all captured in the transactions table, but some of the other tables may have been maybe lagging the like generated tables. But look in the transactions table; all the heartbeats should be there and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not sure the heartbeat transaction though actually lists the connected hotspots. I think there's there's one part of it that has like a GWS reconnection, but I'm not sure what that is. No, I think you're right. I don't think that's okay. that's captured in on, in the on-chain data. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you for that, Alan. All right. Thanks. I'm also going to invite up uh, Chickum and Fred Lux while Alan figures out audio issues. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, I had noticed, especially I'm in a very highly saturated area with a lot of hotspots, and 
the ones who are still witnessing are the ones with really good setups. And a lot of them have been witnessing consistently, but almost all of them have been over 10,000 blocks since beaconing. I would assume this is an issue with the update. And I'm just wondering if we know the reason for that and when we can expect that beacons will start going out again. So because the challenge rate is currently so low, as I mentioned much earlier, you may not have been here, but only around 40% of the hotspots on the network are being challenged in any given day. And that's what the team's working on improving right now. So that could be bad luck. It's also possible that if your hotspot is not past the light hotspots block, which is about a week ago, um, that it is not fully transitioned to light hotspot yet. And, you know, you're going to be able to force that a little later when the transition is complete, when there's no longer syncing. Depending on your manufacturer, you might get stuck there. But if your, tra if your hotspot is past that block and is transitioned to a light hotspot, then it's basically luck at this point, uh, whether or not your, your hotspots will be challenged in any given day. Okay, understood. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Can anybody remember what the actual block number is in the team? I have it actually written down. Let me pull that up. It's, uh, it is 1350844. Some of the hotspots that were relayed should be beaconing more because they're no longer relayed. In case anyone couldn't hear that. Uh, Fred, if you're here, please go ahead. Um, yeah, thank you for this AMA. Um, it's uh, really wonderful to hear that. My question is, before uh, the light hotspot upgrade, there was a need to uh, have a VPN for not being relayed. And now you don't need uh, any VPN anymore, but uh, this, uh, I think, makes a new problem because of the spoofers. Uh, here in Germany, I see many cities um, all uh, over, there are spoofers and they are coming from uh, far east, um, maybe thousands of kilometers. And from now on, nobody of these spoofers uh, has a need to to create a VPN for not being relayed, so it's much easier for spoofers to spoof our cities. Uh, what what will be done uh, to solve this problem? I think any questions related to spoofing, I'm going to kick to the next AMA or a future AMA because that's not the exact topic here. But to kind of address your question, you're right. There are some changes in uh, how you know IP addresses, the, the importance of IP addresses and in incoming connections. Uh, in the light hotspots update. And that does sort of change some of the dynamics around people who may be running illicit hotspot farms. And I'd love to invite any of the community mentors to to add anything uh, briefly that you might want to add to that. Alrighty. Well, in that case, we will move on. Uh, thanks, Fred. Um, I'm going to try to get to some text questions here. Let's see. <laughs> I love this question. How does one become a community mentor? I actually don't know. Could one of our community mentors, I know it's not related to light hotspots, but briefly say, how do how you do that? Uh, frankly, you just answer a lot of questions. Uh, it would just, just happened one day. I mean, I'm not even sure who exactly did it. Basically, you just want to be <clears throat> throughout the community answering questions, just being generally helpful. Um, yeah, dedicating some time to either general questions and answers, hotspot issues, being in there. Uh, a lot of newbies come in. Uh, with uh, just simple questions too, like uh, things like port forwarding, um, syncing questions, things like that. Uh, just generally being helpful and uh, us mods, we kind of linger around and we're always watching and seeing who's being helpful. And sometimes you, just like Elon Tusk there, you just get sporadically upgraded to mentor. 
Yeah, it's been really heartening to watch how many new mentors have been added in the past, like, let's say six months. The community mentorship has grown so much and y'all are super active and in there answering all the questions. So much appreciation to our community mentors. You guys do so much good work. Uh, let's get some more voice questions. I invited up Epic. Welcome. Hi, um, I have a question regarding a notification that came around prior. It was regarding um, not to play around with the system config file. Uh, I just I was just wondering, what is it that playing around with that file does? And does it just make you flatline or does it do something worse? Well, it really depends on what you do within the sysconfig file. There's a lot of settings in there. Some of them are related to, for example, seed nodes or other configurations that might be critical for light hotspots. So, you know, it's impossible to say what any specific modification that you may have done will do. But suffice to say, if you modify certain things in there, it, it could break your hotspots ability to communicate with the validators and complete proof of coverage. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and I can add on to that. Just when you do that, you um, you enforce some settings that we may need to change, like the seed validators or just about anything else. And um, it's not like uh, you could completely flatline yourself. You just we're not as a dev team when we make changes to the sysconfig file for um, the image. Um, we're trying to put in specific things. And if you're overriding it in your sysconfig file, your version's going to take effect. And it's nearly impossible to predict what's going to happen on your hotspot if you're modifying it differently from how we've tested it uh, and deployed it. So that that's the real risk. There's certain things that are likely probably never to affect it, uh, but others could. And um, we just don't take the time to figure out what people are overriding with. We can only work with the sysconfigs that we have. So you're on your own when you do that, essentially. Yep. You're jailbreaking the old uh, cell phone there and your warranty is expired. <laughs> Not literally, but figuratively. Uh, thank you, Jerem, for adding that uh, additional context there. And Impensis, you're up next. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so I've been following along in the uh, blockchain chat, which is uh, really interesting to follow, actually. Um, I've seen that um, on the test network, there's been some issues with that not being as representative. Um, and obviously, it's difficult to replicate the... Uh, the scale that uh, the actual network has. Uh, is there any work being done on that to try and make sure that that reference environment is more representative uh, as much as possibly can be done um, of the full scale network? I could take that. Oh, yes, we have started doing that as you've seen, you know, trying to scale up at least as possible. We had a discussion yesterday about um, what those scaling parameters need to be. What, you know, what can we reali realistically scale up and expect to have um, it be representative of the full network and what things just won't scale up easily. And the one thing that's very hard to scale is the, simply the size of the blocks. Uh, on mainnet, uh, block sizes are much bigger. It, even if we um, have only 2,000 hotspots on testnet and like eight validators, you know, that ratio of hotspots to validators uh, might be representative of mainnet, but it won't be generating the same number of blocks and the load to verify those blocks is not the same. So that is the biggest challenge and trying to figure out how um, important that is. But we're certainly trying to look at those areas and ramp those up um, and do some real heavy load testing on testnet. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Thank you for the question. Let's see, I've invited Haroon back up and Royal Graph X. Hey, thanks for having me back. Um, Somebody mentioned IP addresses uh, related to spoofing, but do, 
did you say that that something with IP address, either filtering or whatever, is it was implemented with light hotspots? And my question then would be, I, I have some of my fleet on VPNs to get around relayed status. Has anybody seen that removing those VPNs actually helps their POC activity? I can answer the first part is that I, I don't think there has been anything added specifically in light hotspot mode that involves IP addresses. If anything, it'd probably be even less restrictions now, which is what the other question poser was saying is that now that there are less restrictions, um, you know, what do you expect is going to happen in the spoofers? So again, quoting from me and please, anybody who knows better, correct me. I don't think there are any additional, um, or changes to the way IP, um, addresses ultimately affect your earnings in the system with light okay. hotspot. All right. Thanks. Well, cool. excellent. Um, yeah, Rob, oh, yeah. let's go. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I was just wondering with the move to light hotspots and everything, um, I was wondering if I could get a quick refresher of how our earnings and how is all the data being transmitted, just like from a start to finish standpoint, right? Like how is a block created and then how is it sent to all our miners? Uh, do we send information, place that stuff? How is, you know, sent to validators? What do they do on their end? And then how is finally like rewards? I just kind of wanted a quick refresh on how everything works, you know? With in terms of like being on light hotspots now, now that we don't have everything synced our, ourselves, you know. I think that that might be a little bit outside of the scope of this specific AMA, but we do have. Uh, I recorded a podcast episode with Coco, who is up here briefly and seems to be gone now. Um, you can search for it. It's called the Hotspot Podcast. The episode is called Light Hotspots Activate, and Coco gives, goes into uh, very extreme but clear detail about how all of that stuff you just asked about works. So you can, it's about maybe a 30, 40 minute episode. So, so I think reviewing that would probably be the best option. I bet. Appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. Haroon, welcome back. The chassis, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Um, so yeah, my quick question is going to be related to, you know, the relay issue that we've got. Yeah, definitely. We do have some people who do spoofing. We do have, uh, personally, I have a couple of hotspots that, that are based in a mobile location. I've just used uh, broadband, you know, like mobile broadband connections um, to give, you know, to provide selectivity to those. Uh, so the thing is, um, if you go to Explorer, it says active now. Well, on app, like, because um, hotspots are from Bucket, it still says relay. So do we still have to worry about relay issue or is that? We just need to forget about it and a light fast forward. Whenever this um, upgrade is finished, uh, we don't need to face any, we, we, won't, face, we won't face any uh, problem with it. And I can someone please um, answer that if possible. And yeah, thank you so much for all the hard work and help, guys. Thank you. Yeah, so relayed status. Uh, I'll, Jerm, do you want to answer that? I saw, I knew you were going to pop up on that. No, I was going to do it if you weren't. I think you've got a handle on it. I'll jump in if you need it. Sure. Uh, relayed status is no longer going to be relevant when light hotspot transition is complete. We're in sort of a midway point right now. Relay status is mostly not relevant, but your hotspot is still following the blockchain in the case that the network needs to be reverted from light hotspots to uh, the regular full hotspot mode. As things look now, I personally think it's very unlikely that that will happen. But, you know, I'm not on the Nova core team. We don't know what might come up. So there is a small chance. In that case, 
having your hotspot not on relayed status uh, could give you a small advantage if there needed to be a revert. But other than that, <clears throat> going forward, you can think about relayed status as as not mattering anymore, not not being important anymore. And I think I, I'll also um, toss in a question that I saw in the text channel, which is, are there any disadvantages now if you have a cell connection without VPN instead of a static IPv4? Your incoming, uh, I, your incoming port, your incoming IP address, any incoming traffic is no longer relevant, which makes that VPN tunneling no longer relevant. So you don't need to tunnel in order to get your ports open or anything like that. Port opening is no longer relevant uh, for the future of light hotspots. So yes, any sort of VPN stuff you're doing, no longer relevant, no longer necessary. There was a question also from Blizzard where he asked, um, is a public static IP address simply required? Same answer. Your, your public IP address is no longer relevant since all of the connection, all of the communication with light hotspots is outbound from your hotspot to the validator. So you no longer need to have any sort of special setup for your public IP, for your ports, nothing like that. It's, it's quite literally as if you just are browsing the web. Um, if, if web browsing works over whatever connection you're talking about, then your hotspot will also work as expected. That's kind of the level of simplicity we've now reached with this light hotspots update. All right. And we got some more. Look at all these wonderful voice questions. Uh, welcome up, Want Clue and Mosey. I just wanted to thank you all for all the updates again. And my question, I think, has been answered, uh, but it's regarding the uh, port forwarding. Uh, should we remove the port forwarding yet or wait for the full update to be, uh, you know, implemented on the network? And thank you. So there, there, let me just be clear, despite what I just said, there's absolutely no harm in keeping port forwarding. Like you're not going to lose anything by doing that. So if you want to opt for the most cautious possible approach, you can keep your ports forwarded. At some point, it will no longer be relevant. For now, I'd say the relevance is small, but not zero. But yes, if, if you want to keep your ports forwarded, no problem. If you want to get rid of them, no problem. It's, it's really, uh, it doesn't matter either way. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mosey. Uh, want clue, please. Go ahead. Yeah, hey there. Um, I'm kind of wondering about what will happen to the SD card space. Uh, let's assume that we do not need to download the blockchain any longer. And uh, some manufacturers are manufacturing hotspots with EMMC and an external SD card. And I'm kind of wondering, are we going to be able to uh, unplug this external SD card from our hotspot if we don't need to download the blockchain any longer? Well, that's a tough one. It really depends on how the manufacturer is using that uh, SD card. They may be using it for their OTA process. There may be hundreds of reasons. There's no guarantee that just because it has an SD card slot and um, that it's being used necessarily for the blockchain data. So I'd be careful assuming that. What we can say is that uh, once we stop having gateways, hotspots follow the chain, then... Um, all the wear and tear and you know, all of that data being written to and read from either these storage devices, wherever it is, will go way down. Um, probably all that will remain is still things like logs. They'll still be written. So there'll be some activity, but I don't, we don't have like a standard saying that the blockchain gets written to SD card and um, everything else is on the EMMC. Some hotspots don't even have SD cards. So they're pure EMMC. So I, I don't know. Um, whether the SD card will still be needed or not, you probably should check with your hotspot maker. All right, thank you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for that question. Uh, I am going to invite 
you know, anyone else who wants to speak up in a moment. But I just wanted to give a shout out to our wonderful community mentors and Nova team members fielding questions in the AMA questions text channel, specifically Heenan, Jade, Angry Bear, and Waveform. So many questions, my goodness. Uh, you guys are really killing it. I'm going to read a few more text questions for now. Um, then we can get to some more voice questions. Let's see, will miners run cooler after we are all light? I mean, the answer is pretty theoretically yes. I actually, I run a hotspot <laughs> um, here at the house with some lab equipment. I can tell you when um, you're not having to follow the chain and you're just simply in light mode, which we are not fully there yet. So if anybody has a hotspot and do the same test, please be aware. We still having every hotspot follow the chain. Uh, when you stop doing that, the current draw does go down. So current draw goes down, voltage remains the same. The engineering tells you that the power draw is going down. If the power draw goes down, the heat should go down because most of that heat <laughs> comes from power being dissipated in your hotspot. So the answer is, yeah, it should go down. Um, it'd be really fun to see exactly how much. And, you know, that, but that is one of the points of uh, light hotspots in general is that it uses less power and bandwidth and therefore should be cooler. Just on that note, Jerm, as well. So I remember doing some tests myself uh, back when hotspots were, were doing consensus. And uh, I don't know if you can confirm this or not, but when a hotspot was in consensus, it was running at about 12 to 15 watts. Uh, when it wasn't in consensus, it was about 6 to 7 watts. Um, I'm assuming it should drop to half that. Is that correct? See, that's where we get into numbers, and I... I hesitate to to predict it. Um, so to theoretically, be, I mean, the <laughs> CPU should be using twenty percent of its power or something like that. Yeah, I have to like do back of the envelope math. See, <laughs> gotcha. Even in chain following mode, we're not verifying the chain, so it it is downloading and writing these blocks. It is um, updating its ledger at least internally, still, and that takes some computation. So. I don't think it's going to be quite the drop from 15 to 5, which is, again, going from consensus to non-consensus. Now this is at 5. Uh, let's say, let's hope for half. You know, there's some minimum power that's just uh, used up by simply being on. The radio, especially you have an older radio, an SX-1301, which um, you'd have to have a, an original helium hotspot or some other manufacturers. Um, that one does consume a bit of power, too. Um, and doesn't change under light hotspots. So the risk of sticking my foot in my mouth, I can't give a good number, but I should go back and test it. But the answer is every, it should. Every manufacturer is also different as well, aren't they? So I know that the power draw is slightly different between, say, a Nebra and a Linksdot and a Rack. They do all vary slightly. Yeah, even more variables to confound the simple answer. If any of you would would like to put together a rough estimate of how much power, maybe a conservative estimate of how much power could be saved by this, like when the light hotspot transition completes and the hotspots are no following, no longer following the chain, I think that would be really cool. And I will happily retweet it. It's funny, we're so focused on like the hardcore engineering and like solving problems here that we don't even really focus on the sort of environmental, you know, uh, green... <laughs> aspect of of this transition like i don't think i've seen anyone mention it really but it's pretty clear that there's going to be like a lot of kilowatt hours saved by this change pretty much immediately so that's kind of interesting to think about all right uh i promised that i would answer this question via voice 
So how long do we expect to be in this lowered witness state? Yeah, so you can follow along the current development progress in the uh, blockchain channel. And the team is currently working on fixing a bug where miners are not delivering their receipts reliably. And so you are going to be getting more witnesses when the receipts are delivered more reliably. So basically more witnesses after there are more beacons. Right now we're in a state where we have roughly as much proof of coverage activity as happened right before the light hotspot transition. So we're in a decent state, but we want to get to ideally like two to three X that. And so that is exactly what the team is working on now. There are optimizations on both the miner side with fixing the receipt delivery and the validator side with optimizing the receipt validation and processing that are really going to help increase the number of beacons and thus the number of witnesses and just overall activity that every hotspot is experiencing. What is the plan to avoid that a validator manipulates the game and somehow makes its own hotspots to be the only one who receives challenges or can send receipts? What is the plan to punish the validators that are not compliant and don't make necessary changes? I can't answer all of that, but um, one thing that we haven't made really clear, and I did answer this in the AMA, is that when, you know, validators are, uh, they're providing service to each hotspot. And, um, you know, the hotspot can't really tell what's going on with the blockchain um, under the light regime. And it has to trust the validator. And we do want to make certain that um, that trust is warranted and can be inspected. So when your hotspot receives ask the question of a validator and receives an answer. That answer is signed by the validator and could be used later um, in a scheme, kind of like we have uh, state channels, which is an off-chain mechanism for um, doing things on-chain in such a way that if there is a problem, it can be brought back into the full public view and everyone can see it. So the idea here, it's not in effect, but we ha there should be enough records in there that if a validator starts misbehaving in a way, um, starts um, particularly handing out fake reports to hotspots because it's signing each of these, it can be proven that it did so. And we could have a slashing mechanism or punishment scheme that is blockchain observable. And again, that is one of the big things to always have in a blockchain is to make certain that uh, whatever actions you take, everyone can see clearly the evidence and take action. So it's the mechanics are in there. Um, the actual sorry the framework is in there the mechanics aren't as far as i believe but that's part of the design and part of that answering that question a lot of the other things you'd ask are kind of vague and a little bit harder to answer but there is some thought into this this is something that we think about um as especially me uh, as a paranoid person like you know how would you game the system in that way so the answer is this attestation if you want to look at it well um maybe we should do a uh, engineering blog post about it Wonderful. Great answer. Uh, welcome up to the stage, Doomsday and Lopez. Yes, thank you. Uh, in behalf of the Cryptosaurus Spanish spoken community, we would like to ask, uh, or first, I would like to thank to all the team for all the effort to, uh, to bring this very important transition. Also, I would like to ask if in the future we can see some kind of a Canadian network where the 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 new change of the of the network uh, can be tested in a more in, in a more strong or realistic environment uh, to avoid uh, the issues that we are having with this uh, very important change. Thank you. I'm sorry, my audio cut out on my end for for a minute there, so I didn't hear your whole question. If someone else heard, could you uh, please answer? Thank you. 
Yeah, I guess I'll jump in on this one. Uh, repeating the question so you can hear it, Armand, is, um, is there a way we can have a canary network that can be used to test these important changes before they go out onto mainnet, right? And so the answer is yes. Um, that's the point of a network we call testnet. And we ran um, this software as much as we could on testnet for months um, and trying every change, looking at it. Um, it's becoming clear that, you know, we really need to ramp it up, make it more realistic, even more heavily loaded. And that's hard to do um, with 800,000 hotspots on the real chain. And um, even if it, at best we can maybe get a few thousand, we have to um, uh, generate hotspots on the testnet. And that can be hard, especially on our own. So, I had a, yeah, go ahead. I had a thought the other day. Um, I had a like, shower thought the other day, and it was um, around, obviously, once we make the transition fully, we'll have more compute power on the miner. Would you, would you see, it, see it maybe theoretically possible to run or opt in to test that if manufacturers were okay with providing that as an option? Do you reckon that's even possible to run those? I mean, test? certainly. <laughs> I'd want it to be um, on the choice of the owner really you know manufacturing yeah. has involved but like each owner and the question is how do we incentivize people to do that there are tokens on the testnet they're called testnet tokens and we kind of um jokingly trade them around like oh i'll give you ten thousand tnt if you uh if you turn on my hotspot that i hosted over there you know, at your house um but so i can but, see it as a i can see the idea as being quite useful like if a situation like uh the moment where we haven't got a reliable testnet uh environment at the moment that the that the you uh the helium community would tr um tick a button you know in an app <laughs> next to their hotspot and opt into that environment to help produce more reliable results it's just a thought of it yeah yeah i like it but you know the short answer lopez boyer is um yes there is a canary network it's called the testnet and if you want to follow on there's actually a specific channel for it um and it needs to be stronger you know it it is really hard to test something at this scale in a mini scale, but I hope that answers the question. Excellent. Lopez, thank you for the question. So Jeff, I'm going to invite you up to ask a question. Before Jeff gets into that, um, I wanted to circle back around to the question about the challenges. Like what if a validator wants to manipulate a challenge, uh, to benefit their hotspot or to benefit themselves. And so. With the 55, we actually made it more secure when it comes to challenges. And the reason for that is that the validators produce proof of coverage keys, um, which is a public private key uh, for each challenge that they offer at propose to the blockchain. And then that happens every 100 blocks via the heartbeat. Um, and then the consensus group takes that and selects it um, kind of implicitly because it uses a block hash the, the block hash um to to select from that list that's being built of all the proof of coverages keys and so if you wanted to um kind of pick your hot spot you would a have to come up with cryptographic keys um, um and align it with the block hash hundred to two hundred blocks from the time that produced that key to um, select the the, the hotspot that you want to challenge. So it's very difficult now to kind of 
gain that because it's it's a kind of a delay. Like what we're doing was proposed hundreds of blocks ago, um, and then is now being you know moved on. Great, thank you for that uh, additional detail, Anthony. Jeff, you're up. Uh, all right, here we go. We there? <laughs> yeah. That's all right. First off, I want to say thank you. Many of the people on stage uh, have helped me tremendously. I'm new since March, and uh, uh, my eyes have been open with many of the people on stage here, and I want to thank them personally for for their help. Um, my question is, uh, I have uh, several hotspots deployed now, and um, what I'm seeing is uh, half of them are getting challenged multiple times over the last week, where the other half are still comatose and they've been reset and and they've been rebooted and still the same result so my question is this is it possible uh that that uh hot spots that have been challenged are more likely to be challenged again thus leaving the other ones comatose i would say that it's possible uh but it's more likely that there's something else going on there there could be so many different things that could lead to that outcome so I, we've kind of gone a little deep on this uh, a few times during this AMA, so I don't want to go too deep on it again. But basically, as long as your hotspots are synced past the light hotspot block, which, let me pull that up again, that's 1350844. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Very nice. That's my point. My my point is that is they are in their their setups are almost ideal to each other, and so I I really don't understand how the the random validation or the random challenging from the validators work. But I just wondered is a path cleared that makes one hotspot more likely to get challenged than another once it's accepted a challenge? I'm just curious why some would have zero and the others would have so many. Break it down. It's not by design. The design is oh. is. Yeah, it, it, you shouldn't be favored just because you were able to pass or even receive a challenge in the past. It is supposed to be uniformly random um, across criteria that are not about that. So it's not by design. Is it possible something's going on? Of course, um, that's what we're actively looking at. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's not by design um, is one half of that. Good, that's it. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Awesome, thanks, Jeff. And Mac, you're up. Testing one, two, three. Ah, there you are. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, just going to say, first thing, appreciate you guys putting this AMA together. Uh, it's certainly a needed thing, uh, communi communicating uh, with us on such a big change and uh, excited to see when it's over. Um, I like that idea that uh, was brought up. This is just kind of a sub comment uh, about incentivizing or looking for some more incentive to jump on the test net and provide y'all some hotspots. I know that there'd be a lot of people, including me, that would be willing to look at that. Um, but my question is, after all this is said and done, uh, I think some of these bugs that y'all are working out are troubleshooting. Like, what's an expected timeline that y'all think that we will peel off the syncing of the blockchain and that aspect will be gone and we'll be kind of uh, moving forward? I mean, do y'all have an expected timeline? Do you think that'll be in the next seven days? And I'm only asking this because I'm, I'm just preparing to communicate to my hosts why they're seeing activity, how long they have to endure this uh, this transition. I think when Coco was up here earlier, she said th expect three to four weeks. I'd assume that that's a conservative estimate based on the difficulties that have been endured so far. But 
to me, it seems like we're definitely, you know, closer than we are far uh, to finishing the transition and removing syncing from hotspots. But I, I personally, I mean, I'm not on the Nova team, so I can't give any sort of definitive time frame there. I was okay, informed. Cool. I was informed that they're gonna maybe even next week for the block syncing part, but to be a full white hotspot transition, three to four weeks. Yeah, I was just gonna say you had the right answer, Armand, which is that um, Coke should be in the best position uh, as RPM um, for when that decision is. So no specific answer. Clearly, there's like a whole decision tree of if things go well, then the date uh, moves up. I think is it called, meaning earlier. And if things are not going well, of course, things get pushed out. Alrighty, thanks for that question, Mac and Howling. You're up. Hey, thank you, thank you, and thanks everyone for setting up this AMA. And, and I've met a lot of helpful people here. Um, so I think I'm I'm re still relatively new. I started a little bit uh, at the beginning of January, um, but I had a question about, and I, I I'm not sure if this was answered earlier because I had a drop off uh, before, but as far as I see that we are kind of um, at the mercy of the manufacturers uh, updating the firmware to their hotspots. Um, and the hypothetical question that uh, if, if you know, the, the, they, they, they go AWOL um, um, and, or something happens to the manufacturer, uh, is, is there a way that we can force push uh, some kind of firmware to resync it back to the, uh, the, the network or are we kind of just uh, holding on to some some metal hunks of metal at that point um thank you i think jeremy is probably the per perfect person to answer this all right so um the the perfect answer is there's no way to force it for every manufacturer because um some manufacturers could develop designs that are very hard for us to take control over the better answer is that the way things have transitioned now that m most manufacturers actually run a firmware which then occasionally pulls a docker image from quay or k actually so uh because of that we're in a position that even if manufacturer stops issuing firmware updates should its firmware still do this secondary layering this pulling of the minor image on a schedule it will continue to work pretty well um and um, that's the best we can hope for there. Um, but there's no like cryptographic mechanism where we can, uh, from the blockchain or even from Nova, reach out and um, take control over a hotspot that's been abandoned by its manufacturer. There, I suggest you read some hips. There have been some hips proposed of a way to overcome this, putting up bounties by manufacturers and have a community member support so that a manufacturer could step in and help rescue a suite of hotspots that have been abandoned. Um, and the light hotspot regime is also has a special update mechanism in it. Once we go fully light, the gateway RS program has a self updating mechanism as well. Um, so because of that, there, there's some chance, even, a, a completely dead manufacturer, even if they stop shipping their firmware, the other parts of the hotspot will continue to update, uh, again, from the Docker's perspective and from, uh, the light gateway software's update mechanism. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you for the question and that detailed answer. And NOP, you're up. I know you had some issues with being muted, but looks like it's fixed. Yeah, it looks like I'm okay now. You hear me? Yep. Well, good. Um, before and after the, the uh, light hotspot switch, 
I had an issue mainly with my neighbors where the um, ethernet connection would be dropped and the lights on the manor would be dark. And so my uh, approach has been just reboot them. Seems to me there's, if it's not getting a connection on the, on the ethernet, there's nothing left to do but to reboot. And that's basically my question. Is that true? Is it crashed at that point and will have to be rebooted? I forget my second question, so I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, the answer is, boy, that's a Nebra question. Um, number one, hey, I'm sorry to hear about that. Uh, but I can't really answer because I don't, um, I don't personally manage their designs. Um, so are you aware the Nebra Discord? Is there one? I don't even know. There probably is an official. Yeah, unofficial. I'll post it. Um, so really, you need to check that out. Um, there's a difference in Nebra, whether it's indoor or outdoor version, right? So uh, tough one. I'd say maybe a little bit out of scope too. Here. I can chime in a little bit. Um, I do have uh, a few Nebras myself. Uh, and I run into the same thing where it does seem that they just kind of maybe I'm using this term wrong, but they do actually lock up. Um, so I've had to reboot them and they do function for a little while uh, and then they'll lock up again. So I have run into that myself, uh, but yeah, I'm going to send you the link for the unofficial Nebra Discord and you can probably get a little bit more support in there. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in that. Um, so I don't, I don't need a link, but I'm in that Discord okay. already. I don't much gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I realize I've been calling you NOP, but you corrected me in a previous AMA. It's no op. You even put it in your name. So it's got no Libra is no op. <laughs> <laughs> well, laughing aside, um, yeah, don't have an easy answer and not really light hotspot related, I hope. I, yeah, I don't think so. This was before and after. Okay, Alrighty. thank you, gentlemen. Good day. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Noah. Uh, Rohan, you're up. Hey, guys. Um, you mentioned earlier that the POC rate is the same as what it was before light hotspots. Are you verifying that um, it's not only the same hotspots that's constantly doing POC? Because in me, my area, POC is definitely not the same as before light hotspots. So how are you verifying that it's not the same hotspots pre uh, continually getting POC? I mean, this is related to an earlier question, which is like, hey, what's the scheme? Why do I notice that some hotspots are beaconing a lot more than others? So um, I don't, I'm not personally tracking this. I know there's a way we could track this with, with ETL queries. One thing I do want to bring up is some confounding factors, some things that can cause, um, you know, if you're performing well, you're going to get more beacons. And if you're not performing, you're not going to get beacons. And that is sort of the heartbeat the blockchain chooses who beacons next based on whether they appear to be alive. And if there's something going on, like if you're possibly connected to a validator that's not doing well and you're still stuck on it, it could be that your heartbeat transaction is not making it to the chain and therefore your hotspot looks like it's offline and therefore it is not going to be sent to beacon. Whereas if you're in the luck mode, as it's been unfortunately called now, and you're stably connected to a good validator and providing a good heartbeat, the chain sees you as, an act, as active and will you are now eligible for POC. So it like it really could be an amplifying effect. If you're stuck uh, in a bad mode, uh, you're not going to beacon 
because um, you're not providing that heartbeat. So that could be what's going on. But as to um, is anybody monitoring it, there's a way for us to monitor, um, you know, of the do challenges appear to be distributed randomly and fairly amongst the hotspots that are alive. I, my suspicion is if you do the query against the hotspots that appear to be alive, it should appear to be random. The bigger issue is how many hotspots appear to be alive versus dead. Understood. Thank you. Hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, sorry for interrupting your interesting uh, speech. Uh, I'm new in the in this uh, channel. I mean, I joined you a few days ago. Uh, the question that I have uh, is about the, some issues uh, that I think everybody is noticing for the hot temperature of the, the miners. In my specific case, I have several uh, pieces or pieces. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, the one that are raspberry that you can uh, change, fix, adapt a bit uh, with uh, with the root on with using the root uh, profile user. And I wonder, uh, in some chats today, you you say that the issue is that uh, the some miners are running both versions, so both uh, uh, both firmware version of the uh, the light one and the the full uh, full hotspot version. Uh, I wonder, is there a way to uh, to avoid it uh, in in the next days? Because uh, some of them crashed, some of my hot spots. I had to go to the to the place to to restart them manually. Some of them are in a bad position. I mean that I have to jump on a, on places that are not so comfortable to be reached. So this I think should be after the the point about the the missing uh, POC proof of coverage that are not still uh, full traced. I would like to know if you are facing, thinking also to fix this as soon as possible because uh, it's causing some issues. And fortunately, there is a protection that makes them not to burn. Uh, they, they stop just to work for a while and then I have to go there and to turn them on manually. But, uh, you know, it's a bit tricky. And, uh, and the, the other option is that I turn them off until, uh, until I get uh, a fix about that. Thanks for the question. Uh, Cox, you want to go for this? So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I'll, I'll start with the hot temperature um, issue. So that is likely due with the hotspot still trying to sink. Remember, your hotspot is still sinking right now. We haven't turned off the chain sink. Um, and in the announcement I had just posted, if everything goes well, we want to turn it off next week. Um, so that's to address that. Um, now, you're also talking about um, proof of coverage and earnings. That's also definitely been addressed. And like, and uh, you're not the only one seeing this. No, I know. Um, yes. So uh, the, the team is actively working on fixing it. And there's really, there's, there's nothing you can do, unfortunately, at this point. Oh. Uh, ju just one, uh, one more question. Is there a log that you can check on each validator? I mean, are you allowed to... To, uh, to access the validator's uh, log or something that you can check uh, uh, what's going on with those uh, proof of uh, coverage that are, uh, that, I mean, the broadcasts that are not delivered or are not given away to the- So at to this point, it's not a validator issue. It's certainly something to do with the hotspot. 
Ah, so you you know already that the the POC the the, the broadcast uh, beacons are uh, are given around randomly, of course, but they are given around. The issue is uh, on the let's say the algorithm or the way they are not accepted or received or proved. There is no proof of receive received from the hotspot side. So it's on the hotspot side the issue. Right now, that's what we're chasing. Okay, thank you. And just to add on to that, remember that your manufacturer may have a specific issue that may or may not apply to other manufacturers, um, specifically referring to the overheating. So that's kind of a hard question to answer generally. Yeah, but for example, the Pisces that I use, they they use they take the the minor version directly from your uh, from GitHub. I there is no no, no vendors applying anything on uh, on the Pisces. Interesting. Well, I guess we'll just have to hope that that clears up as the uh, chain following stops then. I'm going to invite up uh, Gorjan and Rising. Yeah, actually, uh, I don't think so. This is a part of Light Hotspot, but uh, I'm looking toward developing dApps, uh, like uh, uh, developing tokens on top of HLT. So I was unable to find some resources. So anyone can guide me? Uh, yeah, it is out of the scope of this specific AMA, but um, I know that there is a a Helium Foundation grant project called Wrapped HNT or WHNT that is basically trying to take HNT to other chains. I believe that's being demoed on the upcoming community call in a couple of weeks. So that might be one place to look. That's going to be sort of the easiest avenue to get towards um, sort of DeFi or DAP support for HNT specifically. As for the Helium blockchain itself, as of now, it's not a smart contract blockchain, but there is... Uh, a plan to sort of upgrade to a new architecture, which is outlined in HIP 51. So that may sort of give you some direction on on what you're asking there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, got it. Yeah, thank you. Yep, no problem. John Doe, you're up. Hello. Hello. Uh, great speaking, everyone. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm just uh, a question. I have several miners uh, with the 4G connection under CZNAT. Uh, so maybe in some moments uh, they can have the same public IP. Uh, I read that uh, this can uh, damage uh, earnings. Uh, can you explain better this point, please? Uh, yes, we did go over this earlier. And when this recording is posted, you can see the full answer there. But but short, long story short, uh, there with the light hotspots update is no longer any relevance to the public IP. So any issues you're having with incoming connections related to having the same public IP, from my understanding, should no longer be an issue. Okay, uh, another point. Um, money miners, which uh, are the Marriotts, uh, do zero uh, in five days. I rebought uh, um, several times them. Is there a way to check if they are connected to a wrong validator as, for example, average CPU load usage? So I can answer the question about how to figure out what validator your hotspot is connected to. Um, so right now, there's no uh, central place for you to see that. We are going to add it um, in, over the next few days. But of course, because the core team is is hyper-focused on getting the rewards issue fixed, this is sort of falling to the wayside. That said, you can see who uh, your challenging validator is if you're 
um, if you see a beacon from your hotspot or um, a witness, you you might be able to kind of follow that proof of coverage transaction to see who the challenging validator is. But in terms of knowing who your connected validator is or, or your durable validator, we don't have that exposed right now. Um, but it is on our list of things to do so that it's, you know, it's more clear who you're connected to, what software they're running. So you have a better idea of what to expect in terms of, you know, performance and things like that. Okay, so we will wait better times. Thank you for answer. All right. Uh, welcome up, computer user. And Crypto Mo as well. Hey, brother, how you doing? Uh, thank you for uh, let me um, So I have uh, seven miners all together. Um, I've been noticing um, like a lack of performance from the synchro bits. I have two synchro bits. And uh, ever since, I, I want to say maybe three updates ago uh, with the firmware there, uh, both synchro bits have been like lacking performance. Either they're, they are flatlined for like days at a time, um, or they come online for like one day, like a couple hours, and then they flatline. Is, is there like a, a, an issue with just the synchro bit mi miners out there, or is it just me? I, I just, I'm just curious. Um, this is certainly hard to tell and hard to pinpoint what exactly is the cause here. Now, I haven't heard anything specific to a manufacturer that uh, people are seeing flatlines happening on. Um, it seems to be a non-discerning uh, performance issue, not particularly related to a manufacturer. So let's let's just rule that out for now, um, because I don't think we should uh, start uh, going down that avenue um, at this time. Your flatlining is related to uh, probably one of the two issues that I mentioned in the announcements that I posted about maybe like 10 minutes ago. So definitely take a read on that. We are trying to fix it. Will do, will do. Thank you very much for your time, guys, and good work. Alrighty, thanks for your question. Rising, did I just hear audio? I don't know, can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Oh God, thank, thankfully. <laughs> okay, got it. Hey, first off, thank you all for doing the hard work. I really appreciate you guys. I know you're working hard. I had uh, three questions, really, and I'll try to maybe keep it keep it short. In in the old system, we had hotspots issuing challenges. I think at peak time, two forty blocks, right? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, once every four hours. And I know we have switched to the POC challenge rate. I don't know what the equivalent is on on the in the new system. Yeah, that's my first question. Okay, let's answer that question first. Sure. The equivalent is 800 challenges per block. Um, that's assuming we get 800 receipts per block too, but we're not getting that. Um, so once we can get, you know, like a, almost a one-to-one -one ratio of receipts back for the challenges going out, then we would be equivalent. We're not there okay. yet. Awesome. So the number is 800. Okay, perfect. And then let's say, let's look ahead two, three months from now. Let's say that all the issues are resolved. We have a fantastic network, right? Light, light out spots. What's the goal for the POC challenge rate? Um, it would really depend on how, how much more performance work we can do on the validators. Um, so that's the, the challenge rate um, can be tweaked up and down um, and it grows with the network. But that tweak has to be dependent on the validator performance and what they're able to handle. Okay. So if we can get these performance improvements out to validators and the, the challenges per block is something that we can increase. 
Okay. But is, is the goal to at least match, if not exceed, the 240 blocks in the old system? Well, our goal is to meet 800. Um, okay. And then if we can increase on that without um, adding additional load on the validators. And keep in mind, load on the validators manifests itself to slow block times, longer consensus groups, and general uh, adding instability to the network, which we do not want to do because this network really is for transferring IoT device data. And that's still the number one thing that we want this network used for. Um, so keep, okay. keep all of that in mind. That makes sense. And, and my last question, I know the, the max witness count has changed over time. At one point, it went down to eight and has been as max as 25. Is there any plan to increase it eventually at some point or keep it at 14? Um, I'm sure there are discussions um, to change that number, but I don't know what the plan is at this moment. We are trying to firefight the, the current situation. Okay. And, and the goal is to increase it up or like keep it or, or down? I guess. Well, I think uh, so. So Mark, I think uh, actually touched on this earlier. You're not really improving um, the the idea of the proof of coverage, right? You're just having more people say, I saw the same thing. Right. Um, so uh, it's a little TBD on whether that really is beneficial to the network as a whole, which is why it's something that we're just going to leave it for now and then revisit um, okay. later. Sounds good. Again, thank you all for the work you're doing and good luck on stabilizing the network. All right. Thanks, Rising. You, you rose up and were able to ask the question through adversity. So your name really rings true. Uh, we also had Max up here who was having audio issues and Max asked their question in the AMA questions channel. It was about a subject that was answered earlier. So it was about what happens when um, firmware updates aren't pushed by a manufacturer. And I believe Jeremy asked that to answered that to quite a great degree earlier. So I will refer Max to the recording of this AMA. And yeah, just thank you to everybody, all the Nova team members, all the mentors, the mods for answering all the questions. Uh, that's I think it's been a really productive session and I hope people have gotten as much as they hoped out of this. I think we're at the point where we're seeing a lot of questions being repeated. So um, not too many new unique questions coming in. And I think I'm taking that as a signal that uh, the questions that are most pressing have been satisfactorily answered. Of course, we can't get to literally every question, but I'm glad we were able to run as long as we did. I think this is by far the longest community AMA that there has been. Thank you to everyone who stuck for this whole thing. I'm sure there are some of you out there who listened to this whole thing. Um, and I really appreciate y'all. This is going to be really fun to watch as the development continues in the blockchain channel. And I'm sure we'll all be informed in the announcements channel as well. Let's see that POC challenge rate come up. I'm really looking forward to the progress of this latest alpha and beta release that will hopefully turn into a full minor release. And unless anyone has any last words, I'm going to uh, wrap it up. So I'll invite anyone up here to say anything that you want to say before we wrap up. <laughs> Just want to say thank you for, for hosting this, by the way. Yeah, my pleasure. Always love to be here with the Helium community and it gets me really pumped up when we're all sort of pushing forward together. This is a really awesome experiment, this whole Helium thing. I'm just like happy to be here for the ride, so. Absolutely. And thank you also to the community, the mods, mentors, foundation, and, and you as well, Armin. Um, we're going to get through this. I know it's been rough for a lot of you. 
Um, but the network is still very much healthy. The blocks are moving. We haven't had any chain halt and the packets are still flowing, right? This is exactly what this network was designed to do is to transfer device packets and all of that good stuff. So hang in there with us. Um, it'll get better. There's light at the end of the tunnel and we're going to try and get these fixes out as soon as we can. Really appreciate everybody joining in and asking questions. Alrighty. Well, thank you to everybody. I'm going to end the stage now and, uh, you know, Let's keep let's keep moving forward, everybody. This is an exciting time. So thanks to everyone for joining. Take care. There'll be an after party. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the hotspot. If you love our content, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to maximize your impact, leave your honest review on Apple Podcasts. Your support helps us reach more listeners and educate them about the Helium Network.